Hello friend, welcome to Speech Goods, a podcast where we showcase awesome SLPs doing awesome traditional and non-traditional SLP things. Myself and the guests on the show are here to talk about the goods, the bads, and the untangled parts of ourselves and our SLP careers, and how despite everyday life have just done the dang thing, loving what we do. I'm your host, Danny Augustine. A few years ago, I went from burnt out, dissatisfied with my SLP job to dusting off my big girl pants and sprinkling some determination in my 20 cent coffee and starting my own debt-free private practice. Now, I love my working career and wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It was the support and wisdom from others around me that helped me refine my life. In this show, I hope that you're going to find support and wisdom of your own. Lauren is a speech language pathologist and author who unexpectedly wound up starting a business in marketing and advertising for speech therapy and other healthcare businesses. After publishing her book titled, But My Speech is Fine, she discovered the power of storytelling and how it can be used in marketing, particularly in the world of healthcare, to connect with a broad audience. Her passions for speech language pathology, writing, and advocating for overlooked and misunderstood professions led to her current non-traditional career path as an SLP. Outside of work, she enjoys backpacking, road trips, comedy clubs, and a good Netflix binge night every now and then with her cat and her husband. Hello, friend, and welcome to this episode of the Speech Goods Podcast. Okay, today you are going to get to hear from one of my faves, Miss Lauren Herman. Now, Funnily, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, we've actually already heard from Lauren in one episode where she talked about her book that she wrote as an SLP for SLPs, SLP graduate students, and anyone who's interested in learning about what a speech language pathologist does. But I had to, had to, absolutely had to have her on again because Lauren's been up to some other really, really cool projects and using her SLP skills in a very unique way. So we're going to get to talk a little bit about blending her passion and her interest. She talks about how she's helping other businesses flourish and build storytelling with marketing and sales. She talks about how she takes her communication skills and her therapy and evaluation skills that she learned as an SLP and applies them to the copywriting and marketing field, which is super, super cool. You're going to hear us talk about the SLP bubble mindset, how she got into using her SLP skills and understanding how she could translate those skills as an SLP into other areas. She talks about setting boundaries, especially at the beginning of opening up your business and how she was actually able to use her love of storytelling to start her own freelance copywriting business. Okay, let's go do this thing. Hello, 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 Lauren. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm so great. I'm so happy to be back here. Yes, yes. So for everybody out there, um, if you haven't listened to this podcast much before or anything like that, Lauren is actually already been a guest on the podcast. She told us her story about traveling and doing uh, travel therapy. And then it actually led her to writing a book called, but my speech is fine. You should totally go check it out. That will also be linked <laughs> in the show notes. Um, and she just has, she showed us all about her very, very unique journey. If you didn't listen to the episode, um, yeah, definitely go listen to it. Just letting you know, but it. <laughs> Um, now I wanted to bring you back Lauren for a part two, because you and I, we've like pretty much become friends basically. Yeah. And we, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and so we actually had like a zoom coffee date, uh, you know, a month or two ago and just kind of like updating on our lives and businesses and things like that. And she told you told me all about like the super cool stuff you were doing, even beyond the already cool stuff you were already doing. Like I know you're, you worked with, uh, you are you're still working with, um, the SLP med 
the Meg Collective with Teresa Richard. Yeah. And you're doing that. You're, and, and you even have like a little bit of a private practice going on. But now you're doing something else where you are using your SLP skills, um, skills that you already have in a very non-clinical and non-traditional way. Mm -hmm. And even some of the information that you share with me about rates and sort of like, even like the culture in that industry has been very, very interesting. Cause I think, you know, we're so much in as SLPs, like we're so much in like our, our speech therapy world, you know, like Mm. for two years in grad school, that's all I thought about. So yeah. I'm so glad that we're finally just getting an update. And I really wanted everybody out there listening to be able to hear your story about sort of where, where you're going with all of this and just how different it is and how freaking awesome it is. So (laughs) (laughs) I just don't have any other, I just really don't have any other words for it. I'm not very poetic. If y'all have this. Yes. Oh my gosh. I seem to hang out with you every day. (laughs) Ugh. Your IQ might drop slightly, but you will have more fun. <laughs> Doubt it. Oh, stop. yes. <laughs> so Lauren, just, I want you to update us. So last time we talked to you, you were uh, actually just about to release your book, but my speech is fine. We talked mm-hmm. about the scholarship that you were making available to SLP grad students. Now, can you kind of like, we'll go back there and then take us through your journey that you've been going through over these last few months. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. It's been so much. Um, so I launched my book and, um, was so excited to see just how, how well the book has been received in the SLP community as a whole, because of course, I think when anyone is trying to share anything to the public, we all have our, you know, we all have our self doubts. We have our fears. Um, I know I was terrified what if, what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I'm, I'm talking about something that I think I know about and really I don't. And someone calls me out on that, or, you know, I misspeak. Um, but it, it's been such a positive experience and I've had so many really just neat experiences with SLPs from around the world, send me private messages who have been reading my book and kind of sharing their journey of reading the book along with me. So they'll, they'll update me like, Oh my gosh, I just got to this one chapter um, about Parkinson's disease. And I, I agree so much. I wish more people knew about that. And, or this chapter made me laugh out loud. I can't believe that actually happens. Can you tell me more? And I love talking to people and connecting with people and I think one thing that I've loved about it, the the coolest thing that has happened so far, that's been a result of it. um, Several universities are now using that book. They're including it as a required reading for their students, um, which is really neat. Yeah. And that was my goal because it's a book that honestly, I wish I had as a student because it gives a little, you know, just like a, a small view at least of um, true experiences of speech language pathologists across so many settings from NICU to hospice across the lifespan. And so now universities are starting to pick it up, use it as a required reading. And um, most recently I had a teletherapy company reach out to me and they let me know that they actually chose my book for the first round of a book club they're doing for their employees. And I got to hop on a Zoom call last week to do a virtual book reading and talk to them and do a Q&A session. So that was really 
really neat. And it's just so cool to see everyone um, click with the stories, relate to the stories, and then also tell me, you know, I'm giving this to my family so they can understand what we do, or, you know, I'm giving it out and giving it away for free in my um, community where I buy these books and give it neighbors and stuff who have loved ones that could truly benefit from speech therapy, but they don't know what we do. Um, so that has been a fun journey and how it has helped me to shift in my career. Cause this is where the huge change has come that honestly, I was never, ever, ever, ever expecting in my lifetime to be doing what I'm doing now for a career. Um, what that is, what I'm doing now is copywriting. And when I, when I tell people copywriting, usually the response I get is they think I'm talking about um, legal copyright law, basically, that I'm helping to make sure things are up to par with the copyright law. And that's not at all what I'm doing. I know nothing about copyright law. I'm not the person to go to for copyright law. But what I'm talking about is writing ads for marketing services and products or writing sales emails or Instagram ads or uh, Facebook ads. Um, and basically how this book has kind of led me to this new career is because as you had mentioned earlier, Danny, that I had a private practice. But um, my husband and I, we've always known that we're going to be moving. And so I couldn't really establish or lay roots here in Pennsylvania to really grow and flourish a private practice. Um, and it was just, it was really hard to grow my private practice where I'm in a small community that's really overrun by a huge hospital system. And that's where everyone refers their patients to or to, to the hospital system, speech therapy departments and home health businesses. So I was up against like a, a major beast of a health system. Um, so anyway, I remember just going to a coffee shop one day and thinking like, okay, I know we're moving. Um, I'm not bringing in the income that I really need to be bringing in with my private practice. And I don't really have that opportunity since we are moving anyway. Um, what can I do to bring in income that blends my passion uh, with something that I'm, I'm good at, like a, a service that I, I'm actually decent at. And that's when I thought, what if I could blend speech therapy and writing? Um, because I'm, I'm a strong writer. And obviously my whole purpose for writing the book was to promote and advocate our profession. So what if I pivot into the world of still writing and promoting our profession, but promoting other businesses now? Like that's what I want to do is I want to help other businesses really flourish and build in storytelling into their advertising to really resonate and connect with the people they're trying to reach out to. So that is where I am now is I am in the world of marketing and advertising for other speech therapists, as well as just other um, healthcare providers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like I was supposed to say something profound at that point, wasn't I? <laughs> I guess I, I, I found well. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <laughs> so tell me how for and first of all, I felt like even in the last episode that we recorded, again, if you haven't listened to it, skirt, go listen to it. Um, I felt like you uh, kind of carried this attitude, even at, like you were constantly willing to to pivot and to think outside of the box. Um, how come? I'm just curious. I feel like a lot of, of many of us in your position. Um, you know, your husband, cause your husband is in residency. 
correct? No, he's done. He's a, an attending now, he's a radiologist. Okay. Okay. So, and you're, how much longer are you going to be in your current location? Ooh, uh, anywhere between four to six weeks. Oh, snap. Okay. <laughs> about to move. Okay. Well, yeah. when all this was starting. It, I'm assuming you were probably thinking, Oh, I got like a year left, something like that. What made you decide to kind of build your own path and go your own way versus I know for a lot of us, we probably would have just been like, Oh, like maybe I can find a part-time job at a private practice or, Oh, I'll just work for a contract company for a school for a year or something like that. What, what really inspired you to kind of take this non-traditional route? Mm. Uh, yes, that was honestly out of pure necessity because we moved from California, uh, to Pennsylvania. And honestly, my mind, it was a one track mind. It was, Oh, okay. I'll work at another hospital. I mean, that's all I know. That's where my heart is. That's where my passion is. Um, I'll go ahead and I'll reach out to the huge hospital system that like runs the place as well as one that was like 30 minutes away for a smaller hospital. And when I first reached out to them, I mean, I sent emails and I called the departments directly because there were no job postings. Um, and I just introduced myself and, and asked, you know, is there a chance that there will be an opportunity for me to apply uh, and, and work for you guys? And, um, you know, they were honest. They basically just told me, you know what? No, <laughs> we, everyone that's worked here has been here for years. No one intends to leave. We're all very rooted and grounded and things have been steady. We have no need and we don't foresee that really happening at any point. Um, I'm sorry. Like if things happen to change, like go ahead and send us your resume and, and we'll actually reach out to you. Like we can tell you're really passionate, you're dedicated, you know, you're, you're really eager to work in a hospital. So I appreciated that. Then COVID really shut everything down. And of course there were hiring freezes, um, furloughing. I mean, my husband works for the, the hospital system that I applied for. And, you know, I was seeing how his department was being affected by COVID um, with the cutback in hours and cutback in pay. And so it was very clear to me that especially with COVID really rampant and hitting us for the first time that a hospital job was just not going to be an option for me. And I, I did not want to settle for maybe another opportunity that was like 45 minutes away in a nursing home. When I knew that I was not happy in that setting, I had worked in that setting. It really, I mean, just the, the productivity demands and battling some of the unethical practices I've seen in other nursing homes. It was a promise to myself that I made that I, I, I was going to find a job, um, that, that could support me financially, but could also support me mental health wise, emotional health, physical health. Um, and, uh, that is when I decided that I, the only option at that point was to start my own practice. So that's when I started my own private practice because I had no other choice. Um, and then while I was building my private practice, that's when I wrote my book. So I was finishing up my book while seeing patients, um, which, by the way, I think this is something that's really eye-opening and important to talk about is when it comes to income. So working for another industry, like in a hospital, um, you know, I'll be very, I'm just going to be very open with pay rates that I had received as a hospital-based speech therapist, because again, this is something I wish I would have known, or I heard people openly discuss when I first started out. So I could know how to better negotiate salaries or understand what the uh, average pay rate is for that area. 
based on experience, but in the hospital systems, uh, my pay rates ranged anywhere from $27 an hour to $55 an hour. And that changed based on location, right? So in Michigan, it was the lower range. It was like 27. I had to fight hard to negotiate that to 30 or 31 per hour. But then out in California, you know, it, it was obvious the cost of living is so high and they actually um, adjusted for that. So it, it was anywhere from 50 to 55 an hour out in California. Um, and so the reason why I bring that up is because one thing I learned when I was stressing out here in Pennsylvania during the pandemic, can't find a job, started my private practice and started learning how I could actually almost double, well, double, especially compared to the $27 hour rate, but, but really make way more money seeing private clients. And so that helped to sustain me and my husband because we're still working on his med school debt. So, and a bunch of other debt. So that helps by having that private practice. And I think when I learned how to be a business owner, that's when the doors open of like, holy cow, you can really shift and, and pivot. And I know the word pivot has almost been overused since the world of pandemic, but it's true. Um, once you get those skills of how to think like a business owner, it, it almost feels like it can get just easier to get more creative with how to make that income, but also still within your niche. So for me, I'm still very much in the speech therapy and healthcare world, even though I'm no longer seeing patients or clients on my own. I absolutely love that. I love that. Okay. So you clearly kind of went through this journey, like a little bit of self-discovery in there, but can you, can you tell us how did you find, so you found writing, right? You understood. I mean, we're, we're SLPs. We're like the Kings and Queens of communication and writing is a form of communication. And obviously, you know, you wrote this book, you realized that this was a strength that you had and a passion that you had and something you enjoyed, but how did you go from like, Oh, I like writing to copywriting. Can you kind of tell us about that transition a little bit? Yeah. I think that's such a great question because to be honest, I didn't even, I feel like I have maybe heard of copywriting or like, you know, it's like somewhere in like the, the cosmos of my awareness, just knowing that people out there write for marketing. Right. Um, but you know, you had mentioned I, I had been, um, working as the content director for the Menasapi Collective. And one of those roles is that I, I write two emails a week for members where we release these resources, um, announce webinars, all these things coming up. And so that was just something I had been doing for a year and a half. To be honest, I did not realize that that was a whole career that was out there of people writing emails. No clue. Um, which is just kind of, it's just, I laugh at it now looking back on it because I was so very much in the SLP bubble mindset. That was it. So, um, I, I think that I started to realize about copywriting. It was kind of a very convoluted process. Cause I just remember trying to think about how to combine storytelling and advocacy into a job to promote speech pathology businesses and healthcare businesses, particularly the overlooked um, and underrepresented uh, healthcare industries and, and business owners. And I think it was, I was Google searching something like uh, storytelling 
businesses or storytelling, um, advocacy. And, and then I thought mm, marketing, like I want to market people. I, I, you know, I don't want the spotlight on me. I want to help other people get in the spotlight. And that's when it led me to, uh, this was a Donald Miller's, um, oh gosh, what is it? Story brand. Yeah. Uh, story brand marketing with Donald Miller. Yes. I actually, I have, I'm just gonna, I have his book right here. So building a story brand. So once I found that on Google, just by constantly trying to figure out how to blend storytelling and advocacy and marketing, it led me to story brand marketing by David Miller. Um, so I bought his book, listened to the podcast, I ended up taking a course where they show you how to basically assess a website and then really transform it into like a story brand so that people kind of follow along what's called the hero's journey. And once I started diving into this, I kind of shoved me in the world of marketing. Then it led me to discover copywriting ultimately. So it was kind of the farther down I went into this rabbit hole, the, the sooner it brought me uh, or the closer it brought me to copywriting. So once I discovered copywriting, then I dove into all of the copywriting Facebook groups, membership uh, programs, uh, books, freebies, so many freebies, mini courses, and just kind of dove into that. I love that statement that you made because I think that's so very true um, in more than one way. Uh, the SLP bubble mindset. Mm-hmm. Like I actually wrote that down for the show notes um, because I think, I think we can often get trapped in that. And mm-hmm. I've like, I found myself getting trapped in that. And I think, you know, we're so passionate about being SLPs and using our SLP skills that we sometimes forget that there's other things out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, especially for when I'm talking to people about like, if they're burnt out or, if they're looking, you know, I, I was, I was going to not be an SLP anymore. I don't know. And if, if you're listening, you may or may, not my, may or may not know my story, but at one point I was like done. I was like, I'm tired of this. Um, I'm tired of feeling overworked and underpaid. Like this is like, I was like, this is dumb. Like, and I, I was looking for a whole new career. I was ready. I was looking at doctoral programs. I was looking at becoming a neuropsychologist. Mm-hmm. I was looking at OT. That lasts about three seconds because they have all the same BS to deal with that we do. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, not <laughs> yes, yeah. All the same stuff that we have to deal with. And I, and I, that's when I realized that, you know, we're so like, that is not the only way that I can apply my skills as an SLP. First of all, I the, I don't have to work for someone else to apply my skills as an SLP. Um, but I also don't even have to be in the therapy room to apply mm-hmm. my skills as an, as an SLP. Now mm-hmm. I love being in the therapy room. I still am in the therapy room. I'm doing it on my own terms because I have my private practice, which was yes. a big part of that disgruntled ness that your girl had. Um, <laughs> but I think that's so important. I think we just get so like, because we were, we had to be focused for so long, like in graduate, yes. you know, getting into graduate school, that process, you have to be very, very focused. You have to be very intentional. This is what I'm doing. I'm getting this job. So let's get on my resume and blah, 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 blah. But, and then in grad school, I mean, literally all I, you know, you probably feel the same way. Like all I thought about for two years was speech therapy. How do I do oh, speech therapy? Yes. How do I make speech therapy better? What does the research say about speech therapy? And, <laughs> you know, even, even on social media, like a lot of people I follow, you know, a lot of people I used to follow were speech therapists. Now I follow so many non-speech therapy accounts 
But the funny thing is all of those non-speech therapy accounts, whatever it is, like business mindset, finance, obviously, because, you know, I love that. Yes. Um, all of those help me be not just a better speech therapist, but like a better human being. I think, yes. even, you know, I'd even go so far as to say within research, like sometimes some of the most like revolutionary and like, uh, what's the word, like path forging people in speech pathology oh, yeah. that have like kind of forged new ways to do things. They're getting their ideas and they're getting these philosophies, not from a speech therapy journal. They're getting mm-hmm. them from other professions. Yeah. It's crazy to me. I had Tara Sumter on here a while back. She, she has this, like, it's like, it's a cognitive model of language and executive functioning. She gets all her stuff. She doesn't look in SLP journals. You know where she looks? psychology journals. Yes. She looks at a profession that's way older than we are. She looks Mm -hmm. at how the brain works. And now she's like forged this totally new way of thinking. And she's like super smart and awesome about it. And, you know, even like with like myofunctional therapy Mm -hmm. and airway, a lot of people know that that's like one of the specialties that I do in my private practice. A lot of the people in that space, the therapists in that space, they're not looking at SLP journals. They're looking at ENT journals. They're looking at um, orthodontic journals and getting a lot of knowledge from those things. So I think, I just love how you said that, how, like, sometimes we just get stuck in this SLP bubble and mm-hmm. it's like, there's so much more. Yes. Bubble. That doesn't mean the SLP bubble is bad, but <laughs> there's so much more than that. And you can decide like how you want to apply that. Like you can mm-hmm. take bits and pieces outside of your SLP bubble whatever it looks like and bring it and bring it inside. of Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 I'll be honest, like, you know, when I, when I was just in the speech bubble, I, I mean, I truly loved it. My heart, my soul, my passion, it's what I ate, lived and breathed. And there are people who are like, wow, Lauren, you need to, you need to get a life outside of speech. Truly, you know, like, it's just, it's such a, like just a wonderful career and, and helps, you know, what I think are some of like the greatest, uh, uh, functions of human life, as I say in my book, beyond mere existence, right? We have such an important role, but my husband would always, you know, kind of just poke fun at me because, you know, I come home from work and then he, he would always joke that he would just have to prepare himself because I'd always just have so much to say, so much to talk about speech therapy. And then he'd always mimic me, but the way he would mimic me is he would take this overly dramatic, deep breath. Like he had to prepare his lungs, you know, if you were to talk like me. So he'd be like, here, here's what you sound like. <gasps> speech, 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 speech. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I really need to become a bit more of a well-rounded person. <laughs> I'm like trying to be quiet. Cause like when you laugh on a podcast, you're supposed to be silent. So you don't interrupt the audio of other people, but I'm <laughs> I love that. But that's so true. And it, and it's because like a lot of us, you know, we enter this field and we're so passionate. We're so like, we're just like the, like, we really are just some amazing human beings. Like nobody gets into this field for how much money we gonna make. Like mm-hmm. people get into this field like cause they're, they're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I mean, my husband would probably say the same thing about me. If that makes yeah. Sense. I think so many. Yeah. So many partners would, would probably say the same thing. I can't even imagine a relationship where it's two SLPs together because then it would just be nonstop. (laughs) 
like no one would call the other person out. <laughs> right. Which they have that. Actually, a friend of mine, her, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have them on the podcast. Husband's an OT and she's an SLP. Oh, and they have like a practice or whatever. Yes, I was like, yes. oh, power yeah. couple, bring yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so mm-hmm. we're talking about this SLP bubble. Now, mm-hmm. how, like, I want to know, because now that you've kind of been in a different industry for a little while, I feel mm-hmm. like you also have a different, you have a very different perspective. Mm-hmm. And so can you talk about like, almost kind of like a, I don't know, like a compare and contrast, like the difference between these industries that you found, especially, you know, a big, big things that we talk about a lot on here, um, or that I'm interested to listeners, like, uh, work to life balance, pricing, mm-hmm. uh, value, things like that. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yes. Yep, absolutely. So I'll start, first of all, I'll start with work life balance. Um, one thing, and I think just even being a business owner, right, it's, it can be very dreamy to imagine that you own this business, you run a successful business, especially if you can hire out and then start bringing in more income um, and, you know, set your own schedule, which is true. You know, being able to set your own schedule is absolutely beautiful. Like the fact that I could just stop whenever I wanted to, to meet up with someone for lunch on any day. Um, that's great that I can do that. However, with the world of um, like freelance work, what I'm doing and, and copywriting and marketing and working with multiple other larger businesses to help them market and do launches and stuff. Um, I think one thing that I've learned and what I, what is discussed a lot in my current copywriting coaching group, I'm in, it's like this accelerator group of copywriters. And one thing we talk about is boundaries, setting boundaries, making sure that you spell those boundaries out in your contracts and then referring to those boundaries. If those boundaries, like, should they be broken basically? So the Brown, the boundaries could be, um, you know, maybe uh, I don't do any work on the weekends. And if you have an emergency project, you need me to complete for some other reason that was not communicated to me, say 48 hours or more beyond, then I will charge an additional fee uh, to, to get that completed. So I will do the work, but it's at, a, at an additional cost so that my time is respected and that my value is kept. Or um, there might be boundaries where it's like, I'm unavailable to answer your messages or your emails past, I don't know, 6 p.m. Uh, Monday through Friday. And, you know, if you message me after those hours, I will get back to you in the order that I receive them the next day during these business hours. But it is really hard to keep those boundaries for a lot of copywriters and freelance marketers, especially when you're first starting out, because you want to get business. And in order to get and grow business, you have to be there and you have to prove your worth and and you want to do the best that you can possibly do and, and show up all the time, even if it means maybe sacrificing some of your time. And that's a uh, almost like a vortex some people get sucked into when they're starting out. So that, that can be challenging. Whereas when you're working, say in a hospital, um, or a nursing home or a school or whatever it might be, you at least have those clock in clock out hours. Um, now I will say I did break boundaries before when I would take notes home to, to write my notes 
or, oh, God forbid you have access to the EMR on your computer from home. So you can check your notes and make sure, oh my gosh, is the patient okay? Is there a rapid response? Like, are they like, does that diet change? Was it too, oh, was I too uh, risky? And you know, like that stuff, I've definitely kept myself up late at night, worried about patients or I've brought work home. And those were horrible boundaries that I broke, but I got to a point where I didn't do that anymore. And it was literally clock in, clock out. I get home. I have the whole evening to myself. Don't have to answer to anybody. And I will say with, um, you know, business owning, you don't really get that luxury, at least for a while until you get systems in place. So you do have to be, you know, willing to sacrifice that time, at least starting out. Um, So that's one thing when it comes to like a work-life balance and boundaries and the difference between working a nine to five job versus running your own business and starting out that I've, I've learned. Um, and then, uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, one thing that I think is similar between at least my experience as an SLP in the hospital. And then my experience as a copywriter. And also I kind of help strategize some marketing, um, tactics too, is I kind of still feel like a medical SLP when I have my consultation calls with a new clients, because what we'll do in those meetings is just like when I get a new consultation for a patient, right? I have to figure out what is the problem? What's the primary complaint? What's your past medical history? So when I meet a new client, it's what is your primary complaint? What's the problem you're up against? What's your past marketing history? And so we look at what happened, what have you done? Uh, What is your income level? What are your goals? And then together, I will do an assessment. I'll actually look at their website. Um, I try to see if I can access their email metrics, their marketing metrics. I look at the numbers. Um, I run it through some other programs, which I'm still learning, but I'm learning about like these assessment tools that I can use to figure out what the problems are and then create a plan of care, a marketing plan of care, uh, where we then strategize like, okay, here's where you need to strengthen your marketing, um, whether it's with emails or sales pages, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, here are the formulas you should try. And then it's really just working on it, seeing what works, what doesn't work, whatever does work, you really leverage that and, and strengthen it on that. So in so many ways, I feel like I'm still carrying out kind of like the steps that I would as a speech pathologist, like instead of a medical chart review, I have an analytic chart review that I need to do online, just looking at data and other metrics, and then need to come up with a plan of care for that. So it's really funny. I almost felt prepared to have these onboarding calls. Um, Whereas I feel like so many other copywriters I've spoken to who are coming from a non-service-based career, um, I'm not, you know, either they're coming right out of college or maybe they worked uh, for another business. Um, They seem to get really stuck on what to do, how to handle consultation calls. But as an SLP, especially with a former private practice, I'm like, shoot, like I'm so used to consultations and assessments and coming up with a plan of action. So I just have to switch the language and the whole goal of that. So I thought that has been a really eye-opening thing. And that's why I truly think SLPs could make if they're, if they're good writers and enjoy writing, I think SLPs can make excellent copywriters. Like, my, like, <laughs> I'm blown. Yeah. Cause, and I think as therapists, we have such a unique skill set. And I find this, um, I've even found this within like 
um, I guess like sister fields that sometimes therapists will go into, mm-hmm. we are really, really smart and we're really good at thinking on our feet mm-hmm. and we're really good at in the moment, taking facts, figures, and information, putting them together and then drawing, not only being able to draw conclusions from that, but then also to be able to create an individualized, individualized action steps or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of people can do that. A great example, like even this is a little bit more, this is a still outside of the SLP bubble, but also inside the SLP bubble. Um, I also, I have my certified breastfeeding specialist credential. Mm-hmm. And there's also a few, um, I'm not an IBCLC. I'm not a certified, it's IBCLC stands for International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. Yes. Uh, I did an episode with Jean Pichoff. She's an OT and IBCLC I also did an episode with Autumn Reed Henning. She's an SLP com and IBCLC. If you want to know about it, go check them out. Anyways, um, but a lot of therapists are starting to get interested in this field of lactation because uh, a lot of, you know, it's feeding infant, infant oral function, feeding, swallowing, all that stuff, but also understanding like the needs of like a breastfeeding mom and blah, 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 blah. And what I'm reading um, and seeing is that therapists, if, if that is something you want to do is become an IBCLC or help breastfeeding moms, we're really good at it. And we bring something to the table that other professions that may go into lactation work as well don't have already when they bring to the mm-hmm. table. We're really good at that in the moment evaluating. Yes. We're really good at problem solving. We don't, we're, we are not checklist people. Like we are not like, okay, I did this. I did this. I did this. I did this. We are like, okay, we have this, we have this, we have A, B, C, and D. How does A affect B? okay, A affects B in this way, which is in turn going to change C this way. Like we are so good at doing that. And we're good at doing that, like on the spot. Like that's part of what in grad school, it would take me an hour and a half to plan one therapy session. I remember those days. Oh yes. Now, (laughs) especially with early intervention, I I literally have no plan for the session because I don't know what the kid's going to want to play with. (laughs) So I I will walk in, like, I know what skills I'm going to target. But like, whatever that kid wants to play with, that's what we're going to do. And I love how you just highlighted that, how like, and that is a skill, like that is a skill in itself, whether you're using it in the therapy room or not, this thinking on your feet and being quick. My brother, he's a forensic psychiatrist. And he was actually complaining to me the other day about how someone referred about how someone had a trick and they were very, very, very agitated. Right. If I had, if I woke up and suddenly you traked me, I'd be agitated. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're probably, you know, Paige probably confused, blah, 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 blah. And how that they refer to, they referred to him to psychiatry. And he was just like, this is not an appropriate referral. Oh my gosh. And he kind of like went on this little uh, interesting talk about how, you know, it's really, he, he really, he really wishes like there was more people in the medical profession who weren't just doing like, that weren't just doing like checklists but we're mm-hmm. actually doing like critical thinking mm-hmm. and thinking in the moment and putting like, and it, it's one big puzzle. And yes. in my, in my mind, I was like, that's like all speech therapists do. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally all we do. Like there's, if you can't think on your feet, speech therapy is going to be a really difficult field for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing, not every, every textbook case that you read is going to be the reality of what you walk into. Right. I've, I've, how many of us have actually walked into either a clinic or a patient's room or something. And when you look at them, 
they don't actually match what's said in the, in the chart. I mean, I, I've had a patient chart where it said tracheostomy, but then when I walked into the room, there was like a silicone tube that was like flesh up against the person's stoma. And I'm like, that's not a tracheostomy, but I also don't know what that is. And so I'm there stunned trying to not look like a deer in headlights because this patient's now locked eyes with me. <laughs> and I had to really think on my feet on how to just introduce myself and look, you know, calm, collected, like, oh yes, yeah, see, like the chart has every, is, is accurate, you know, and that wasn't the case. And then just interview the patient and then step out. And then, you know, once I got the information and then corrected it in the chart and corrected what the nurses had written and the physicians had written, you know, so really being able to pivot learn on the go. And that is definitely something, um, with marketing and, and copywriting, like you'll, you'll put together a plan and you might think, Oh, like we are going to see progress in my, in your head. You might be like, you know, you can't eat now, but you do this program for three months and we will at least get you on some soft chops, you know, thin liquids. I certainly see that in the near future. Like if you just keep this up, you're such a great candidate. And then lo and behold, the needles barely moved by the time those three months are up. Right. So then you have to constantly reassess and figure out what's going on and where are the holes. And that's just like with marketing, it might be, um, you know, as a copywriter, I have to really be good about not taking, uh, things so personally, if there is a sales email that did not perform well, or a sales page that did not perform well, because it's not just what the words are. It's also so many other factors, like with any tech issues, as well as any updates uh, that affect privacy um, with, you know, emails going into spam versus emails landing in the inbox, as well as many other marketing metrics that aren't just the words basically. So it's, there are just so many parallels between what I'm doing as a copywriter marketer versus what I did as a clinician, basically. This is so cool. And, um, everybody listening, you're getting this information for free. I just want to say that because this is like, like I would pay for this information. This is awesome. So, okay. I do. I want to make sure I'm respectful of your time, but I got to ask, tell us specifically, like, you know, we talked, I know you're, you said copywriting marketing, Mm -hmm. but can you give us some like details about what your, what like you're actually doing? Like maybe what maybe, and and you can kind of take it how you want. Um, but like maybe what your day looks like or like specifically, what are you, you know, doing for your clients? Yes. Yeah. So let's say, oh, let's say, cause it can be such a variety of things. So I've had a client reach out to me and just ask, you know, Hey, do you write emails? Is that something you do? I'm like, oh yes. You know, I'm weird to the point where I, actually, I love writing emails. I love writing things that can just sound very conversational, natural, and not academic or, (laughs) you know, um, and so uh, we set up a console, like a discovery call. And basically I just asked her like, what are your needs? What are you trying to promote? And she had four things she was trying to promote. And it was basically like um, a permanent course or an evergreen course, and then a new live course, a podcast, and then her coaching services. So I write four emails a month for her where I, she picks the course or I might pick the course. Um, she, if she has a new live event coming up, then, you know, she'll tell me about the live event. She'll give me access to all the information. So I know what to write about. 
Um, I will interview someone she has coached so I can tell their story in the coaching email. And then I'll just pick a podcast episode um, that might relate to her evergreen course. And so we meet once a month to plan out the month's emails. And then I will sit down and I'll write each email and they each have a purpose. That's the whole point is every email has to have a goal, whether it's to click a link to listen to this podcast or um, check out this course that we just released. Or if you're interested to learn more about my coaching services, like here's this one student's success story, click this link to learn more and, and get a free call or whatever. So every email has a purpose with a link um, to drive people to that person's business. Um, and then, you know, that's our thing is every month we meet and then we plan out the topics. And then I write the four emails, I send them to her and she schedules them out. And so that's kind of like a very simple, basic thing I do. Um, and I mean, every client I have, I love every single client I have. I feel super lucky right now. Cause I have heard horror stories from other marketers and copywriters of nightmare clients. And I, maybe just because of the, you know, the niche, like I'm a speech therapist and I'm working for speech therapists and one holistic healthcare practitioner out in California. Um, so that's one thing I'll be doing, but then maybe someone else will have, um, I don't know, like a program they're getting ready to launch or a service or a product or something. And so they want to be able to drum up interest and awareness. Um, and so they'll send out, it's like a nurture sequence. So we'll discuss, okay, how many emails do you want sent out before you make the big announcement, the big reveal of whatever your product might be or your service or your program. And then I want to get that set up. I'll write those and then I'll plan out the sales emails. And I love doing story-based stuff. So if I can interview someone, if I can interview uh, like for the holistic healthcare practitioner that I write for out in California, um, she gets permission from some of her clients who have completed her courses um, if they want to be interviewed. So then I will get their contact info. If they've given consent, I'll call them up and I'll interview them and I'll figure out, you know, where were you in your life before you discovered so-and-so? And then how has this program changed your life? Give me some specifics and we'll craft a really just beautiful story. And that will be in the email so that future customers can actually get a real life example of how that course has actually worked for someone just like them. Um, so that's kind of my particular sauce when it comes to writing sales stuff is, is storytelling. Cause that's just where I love to sit is in the world of storytelling, especially if it's real life, real human stories. Um, so, you know, I'll do those emails or I will write up an entire sales page. Um, and you know, I've learned about how to write video scripts for these video sales letters or people just have a recording of them trying to talk to them about their products. So it's a, it's a variety of things that a copywriter can do. And I'm still learning everything else I can do. It could even be some social media content. So it really just depends on the needs. It could be as simple as one email a month, four emails a month or more, or emails plus sales pages, plus video scripts, uh, plus Facebook ads, and then maybe some Instagram ad conversions. So it, it's just a huge range. Um, and also auditing. So I'll audit a website and I'll see, um, is it user-friendly? Do I know what you're trying to sell? How can you make it clear, your message clear and more captivating and get more clicks and conversions? 
too. So I'm working with one other business right now where all I'm doing this month is I'm just looking at the website and seeing all the metrics and then figuring out how to make it better and transform it. So they get more conversions for people who actually end up at their website. So huge variety of thing, broad scope. <laughs> but that's so much fun. And it, it sounds is. like like you're, there's the benefits kind of like you said of being able to work wherever you want because you knew mm-hmm. that when your husband were moving and then also just using your, I, I love how you found, you found the things that you loved with skills you already have and just got creative. And you were just like, okay, like how can I put this together? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and I, you know, I want to encourage everybody out there listening. Sometimes it, it's not something anybody else has done before and that's Okay. Like mm-hmm. what you're doing, I, I mean, maybe there is another SLP copywriter out, copywriter out there, not saying there's not, but like, I haven't heard of them, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's okay. Maybe you're the first one. Um, and that's okay. But sometimes like you really, really have to get creative and there's yeah. more, you know, and I love, that's why I wanted to have you on Lauren. Cause it's, there's more than one way to be an SLP. Mm-hmm. There really, really is. And the skills that we have, like communication, that is, I mean, just like you said, like, that's what marketing is. It's you're, you're trying to communicate to your audience in the most effective way to drive them to a sales page or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I just, oh my gosh, I just, yeah. That. Well, in, in so many healthcare providers, like, you know, <sighs> do such an amazing job of changing lives for the better and truly serving the community, but they don't know how to market themselves. And a lot of people feel really awkward marketing themselves because it's like, ugh, I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about you. I want to see how I can help you. But obviously if no one knows about you, then you can't help as many people. You can't help your community. Um, and so that was kind of what really drove me to this. Cause I, you know, I wrote a book promoting a profession. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, there are plenty of other SLPs out there and businesses and healthcare providers who are doing such wonderful things, but I know they're not getting the business they should be getting, not just from, you know, like this, this capitalist perspective of making money, but truly from a serving standpoint, serving their community, serving the people that are looking for their services, but simply don't know they exist or they might see an ad, but the ad is kind of ambiguous or confusing or doesn't really capture the attention. So they just mm, scroll right past it. Whereas my goal is to make that ad really relevant to who they're serving and make it more eye-catching and entertaining or um, just, you know, story-based. Like you know, on my Instagram, that's that's what I'll do is I'll, I'll have like a headline to a, a true story of mine and then relate it maybe to a product or a service that I wholeheartedly believe in. And then I end up marketing it at the very bottom of that post. And it, it relates to that crazy story, basically, because that's what captures people's attention. So it's it's truly the reason why I just love this. I had a, a friend I was explaining to him how I've transitioned to this world now. And he said, he's like, wow, Lauren. I never would have imagined this for you. I, would, I never would have seen you as a marketer. And I kind of had to explain. I was like, well, I've been marketing my services since day one of being a speech therapist, because if you see my book, you know, we're up against patients telling us, but my speech is fine. I don't need you. And then what do you have to do? You have to market yourself. You have to explain with clarity your purpose and how they actually could benefit from you. So I was like, now I just, my whole purpose is just to help other healthcare providers and SLPs in particular market themselves to a broader audience. So that's why I still have this passion because it's like, ah, if we can reach more people 
who really could benefit from these, these amazing services, let's do it. You know, why not? Yes. And I think like at the end of the day, like that's what I think when people, just like you said, when people hear marketing, they're like, Oh, sleazy salesy. And I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like are there, are there products and people out there like that? Sure. 100%. But when you show up with an attitude, I was literally telling this to someone the other day, when you show up with an attitude to serve, Mm -hmm. um, then that's what people are going to start like begging you. Like, Hey, when, when can I, or do do you do coaching? Do you have this? Do you have this? Because you should like showing up with that sort of servant heart. Mm -hmm. And then also knowing that if your goal is to help people, then you need to let people know that you are out there. It's not, it's not like if nobody knows, just like you said, like no one knows you're out there, then like you can, who you gonna help, hon? Like, (laughs) you know, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's important. And and I am like, I am take just like how SLPs, we have to take an ethics course, right? For CEUs. I'm also actively seeking um, marketing and copywriting ethics courses too, because that's such a, a deep value of mine is to remain ethical. And it is it's easy to, to see how marketers do very like fear-based um, kind of marketing. It makes you kind of just feel like crap when you're reading it or like you can't live without this kind of thing. And so I'm very much looking and learning constantly on ethical writing, ethical marketing, um, where the emotions are pulled, but they're the right emotions. They're like the empowering emotions and it's not at all manipulative or making people who don't, who truly would not benefit from your products and services. It won't matter anyway, because we're not going to try to market to those people. It's truly to the people who really would benefit and know that they would. Um, and just working in a very ethical and, and, um, empowering manner, I guess. So I'm focusing on those courses too. And that's been really interesting. Just learning about the psychology behind marketing and then ethical versus the unethical tactics people have used. And that's what's great too, is like, you get to, you get to pick how you want to do it. Like Mm -hmm. you can choose to be sleazy Mm -hmm. or you can choose to not be sleazy. Like Mm -hmm. it's not this automatic just because you want to sell a product or a service that, oh, I suddenly have to be sleazy to sell. Like, especially now, I mean, people are, they can sniff that on you a mile away. Oh, they totally can. It's just so obvious. Oh yes. Yes. (laughs) It's painfully obvious. Yes. Well, Lauren, I want to be respectful of your time. So one, uh, before you leave, before I release you into your wildness of life, um, (laughs) do you have like one last piece of advice that you want to give? So there's a listener out there who's maybe kind of had some dabbled in some ideas of maybe doing something using their SLP skills, maybe using it in a non-traditional way. Um, but they're really kind of unsure. Do you have any like last pieces of advice or words that you would like to bestow upon them? Oh, I feel like I don't have like any, you know, earth shattering, never been said before piece of advice for that. But I will say something that has helped me. And we already kind of talked about it when I first was doing my own solo research for copywriting and getting out of the traditional speech therapy world. Um, I was not hesitant to actually reach out to people seeking advice to seek advice, um, or even mentorship, even if they were big name people and the copy. So I'm learning who the big name copywriters are now and who are the, especially like in the healthcare 
niche, right? And I do not, once I discover them, I am not at all hesitant to maybe it might sound creepy, but honestly, try to find that person's email address and send them an email asking um, for potential mentorship in exchange, maybe for like, if there's any, any additional work that you need done, like I could help and you could mentor me through that. So like, you know, I'm going to offer something to them as well. It's never just a take relationship. Um, and I mean, I've even reached out to people like um, Atul Gawande and ZDog MD, if you're familiar with any of, of those guys, um, when it came to like my book and getting some advice for my book. And they replied with wonderful pieces of advice, you know? So that's my, my big like piece of advice is don't ever think that someone is too big of a person or, you know, too much of a quote unquote celebrity or too busy to uh, reach out to them for just seeking mentorship or advice. And if you do also make sure that you're willing to offer something in return so that it's a give and take relationship. I think that's really important to remember. Um, so that would be my, my piece of advice, I guess, is find that person who you think could be a good mentor and give you that advice and try to think of something that you could offer to them in return, maybe for some advice or mentorship. That's smart. I mean, I mean, it's not like an earth shattering quote, but I mean, eh, we have plenty of those. We, have, <laughs> we had Gandhi and Michelle Obama. Like we yeah. had plenty of those. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. We had plenty of those. Um, so that was great. Yeah. That was great. Like a really specific actionable piece of advice. And I love that you also highlighted to make sure that you are showing, showing whoever that you're reaching out to that you understand the value of their time um, mm-hmm. by offering something else, by offering something in return, whatever that would be. So mm-hmm. uh, that was oh, you're so awesome. Yeah. I love yeah. it. A great subject line, by the way, a great subject line is I will work for you for free. So that's Ooh. <laughs> I, I, I will definitely open that. Uh, that is so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's works. It's totally work, but you have to be willing to like, you know, be a, a person of your word. Right. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's yeah, true. You hold up your end of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on and hanging out with me. I have a feeling we're there's going to be a part three at some point in our Probably. future. We're just going to keep recording because yeah. like last time we hung out, we were both like, we should have recorded this conversation because <laughs> uh, it was so good. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And I hope you have an amazing, amazing rest of your day. Yes. And thank you for having me back on as always. It is just such a blast talking to you and in just these topics too. They're so important. Yes. Oh, really quick. Uh, where can we find you? Oh, yes. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at slp.advocates. Perfect. And do you have a website or anything? Not yet. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay. All right. You let me know when it's done and we'll, I will. Okay. (laughs) And go (laughs) check out her book, but my speech is fine. It's on Amazon. Yes. Go do it. (laughs) All right. Bye, Lauren. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to hear more no fluff, getting the dang thing done stuff for myself and other real life SLPs, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com slash speech goods. If you found this content valuable, please share it with others so we can get this message out there. And if you haven't already, join us on Instagram. Handle is at speechgoods. See you there.